Good morning. I think it's a beautiful day. How about you? Amen. My name's Tom. I'm an elder here at East Shore Baptist Church. Thank you for the privilege and honor of bringing forth God's word today. So, I have some church family participation questions for you. Notice I didn't say audience participation because you are not an audience. You're not here to be entertained, and I'm sure not here to perform. We're both here to glorify God through his word. Amen? All right, so I got a couple questions for you about dreams, about dreams. So dreams can be strange, or they can be scary, or they can be wonderful. So I'm wondering if there's any of you out there where you have had really, really strange dreams. Like you're in a strange place, doing strange things at a strange time, and when you woke up, you kind of looked up at God and said, where did that come from? Has anyone had any of those dreams? Okay, everyone who raised your hand, come up here. I'd like you to share. The... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Strange dreams. Some of you may have had scary dreams. Maybe it's a revisitation of things you were afraid of as a child or something traumatic happened to your family. And uh, you, you literally have a cold sweat. And when you wake up, and I've done this, I'm like, thank you, God, that that was only a dream. Anybody have those? Okay, thank you. And sometimes dreams can be wonderful. Everything works together. It's bliss. You, you, I don't know, but you may actually have a smile on your face as you're laying there. Have any of you had those wonderful dreams? Excellent, excellent. So today we're going to look at a dream that is both uh, strange, scary, and wonderful. And, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But you can see from the PowerPoint slide there that the title of this is How to Begin to Share the Gospel. And before we begin to share the gospel, we need to make sure we understand what the gospel is and just how wonderful and spectacular it is. And to do that, we're going to look at a dream that a prophet had in the Old Testament. Now, I might use the word vision more so. Bible commentators will say the only, it's sort of semantics, but a dream, uh, excuse me, a vision usually is more uh, reveals God, okay? So we're going to look at a dream, excuse me, a vision that a prophet had. Now, when you hear the word prophet, you probably picture an old man my age or older and, you know, crazy gray hair and beard. Um, but guess what? The prophet we're going to look at, most Bible commentators say, was probably 17 years old. Isn't that weird? 17-year-old prophet. So let me, let me tell you the time frame we're looking at. And this should ring a bell with us because it ties right in with what Pastor John has been preaching with us as he's gone through um, Nehemiah, okay, and, and Ezra. So this is the time where for centuries the Jewish people, through their sinful rebellion, had turned their back on God. And finally he said, enough. And so he allowed the Babylonian army to come down and capture them and destroy their city and take them off in exile, 900 miles away, four months of walking, and into Babylon, which today is modern-day Iraq. And there they were. Now, through a series of remarkable things we won't go through right now, God allowed them to come back to Jerusalem. All of them could come back, but unfortunately, many of them were comfortable in their new surroundings, even though it wasn't where God wanted them. So they chose to stay. But at least in the first wave, uh, 40 to 50,000 of them decided to come back. And included in that group was this prophet, this young prophet, Zechariah. 
And we're going to, now, now when they get back, folks, gosh, they come back and their city's destroyed. The temple is destroyed. There's no wall. It's like they got to start from scratch. And so they're very discouraged. And it's into this time frame that we have Zechariah, and God gives him eight visions, eight visions in one night. He must have been exhausted when he woke up. Eight visions in one night. And each of these visions is for Zechariah to share with the people to encourage them not to give up and to persevere and to rebuild the wall and to continue to worship God. And so we are in Zechariah 3. Zechariah 3. This is the fourth of the eight visions, and I love this one because, man, it just screams gospel. All right, so turn to your Bibles if you want, or you can look at the screen. Or you can use the blue Bible in front of you, our new blue Bibles in front of you with larger print. Amen? Amen? Um, On page 944. I'm going to be reading from the NIV version. So if you're physically able, it's not too many verses, if you're physically able, please stand in honor of God's word and follow along in whatever manner you want as we read Zechariah 3. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put fine garments on you. Verse 5. Then I said, Put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. The angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says. If you will walk in obedience to me and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you a place among these standing here. Verse 8. Listen, high priest Joshua, you and your associates seated before you, who are men symbolic of things to come, I am going to bring my servant the branch. See the stone I have set in front of Joshua. There are seven eyes on that one stone, and I will engrave an inscription on it, says the Lord Almighty, And I will remove the sin of this land in a single day. In that day, each of you will invite your neighbor to sit under your vine and fig tree, declares the Lord Almighty. Let's pray. Dear God, I know, at least for me, sometimes these visions in the Old Testament can be strange, highly symbolic in imagery. But thank you, God, to people much smarter than me who have through Bible commentaries, have revealed how powerful and how perfect your word is. So clear our minds from distractions for the next few minutes. Help us to realize what a wonderful thing the gospel is and how anxious, willing, and obedient we should be to share it with others. And everybody said, amen. Thank you. You may have a seat. All right, so I'm going to put those verses back up. Now, This is Tom's version, okay? So if you see some words in red, that doesn't mean Jesus said them, okay? That's just, you couldn't highlight it on the PowerPoint, or so Jackson told me he does all that for me. 
Um, so they're red, okay? And I added some notes for myself, and it's just to spark my memory. But let's, let's, let's talk about what's going on here. So it's a court scene up in heaven. It's a court scene up in heaven. And first you have Joshua. Okay, here's Joshua. Now, not the Joshua who led the people into the promised land after Moses died. Not the Joshua who fought the battle of Jericho, or as the kids say, the battle of Cherry Coke. Not that Joshua. That was, that was years and years earlier. This is a different Joshua. This is Joshua. He's a Levitical high priest. He came back with the exiles, and he is in charge of these people in terms of spiritual matters. Okay? So Joshua, the Levitical high priest. But right now in this vision, folks, it's not about Joshua the individual. He represents all of the Israelite people. And by extension, represents us today. All right. Then you have the next... Uh, person in the court scene, and that is the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord. Now, Joshua, by the way, is the defendant, okay? The angel of the Lord is the judge, is the judge. Now, who is the angel of the Lord? Could be an angel, but many, many Bible commentators think it is the pre-incarnate Christ. Now, that's a fancy word, pre-incarnate. Incarnate means human form, and of course, pre means before. So before Jesus came to earth, born of Mary, Okay, and, and you know, I know this in my head, but I don't always connect the dots. And, and I came to Christ a little bit later in, in life. So I was always like, okay, there's God in the Old Testament, Jesus in the Gospels and the Holy Spirit in Acts. But it's a triune God, right? So Jesus was alive and in heaven during the Old Testament. And in fact, came to earth on different occasions. And often he is referred to as the angel of the Lord. All right. So you have the judge, the angel of the Lord. And then finally, you have <clears throat> Satan in the courtroom up in heaven. I love that verse. I think it's uh, John 8, 44. And you guys have heard this. When Satan lies, he is speaking his native language. Is that good writing or what? God is so good with his words. When Satan lies, he's speaking his native language. He is a liar and he is the father of lies. All right. So Satan is the, uh, let's see, what would that be? That would be the prosecutor, right, the prosecutor. So he's got a long list of sins that the nation of Israel had done, and he's licking his lips, boy, and he is ready to list them all. And he takes, in my mind, he takes a breath, and he gets ready, and the angel of the Lord says, shut your mouth. I rebuke you. These are my people. This is my faithful remnant. They have returned to me. They have done the time, so to speak. It talks in the verses there about them being a stick in the fire. They're referring to the nation of Israel being a stick in the fire. What was the fire? 70 years in Babylonian captivity. Okay? And he tells him to just be quiet and hush up. Next slide, please, Tyler. All right, so what happens next? So Joshua is here, and he's dressed in front of God. And he's, now this is me supposing, okay? He's probably thinking, I have on my best tunic, I'm good to go. Even though I know it's the high and holy Lord and, and, and I'm trying not to see his face, but he's probably thinking I'm as presentable as I could make myself. And the angel of the Lord says, Joshua, you are filthy. Filthy. Now, in the Hebrew language, filthy is a filthy word. Do you know what the word uh, filthy means in the Hebrew language? It means what is left on the table after an animal is sacrificed. So after they've burned the meat, 
and use the fur and maybe bones as tools, do you know what's left? Manure, blood, and guts. And the angel of the Lord is saying, Joshua, you are standing in front of me with your clothes covered with manure, blood, and guts. Folks, there's a whole lesson right there. Because that is you and me. Even though many of you look real pretty this morning, apart from Christ, you are sinful human beings, myself included, and we are covered in filth before Christ. Amen? Covered in filth and our sins and our sins. And the angel of the Lord says, take off those dirty clothes, put on some new clothes. Israel, I have removed your sins. Wow. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. When you add Jesus Christ into your heart and you truly repent, your sins are gone. Notice he didn't say brush off his clothes. No, uh uh-uh. Throw them away. I'm giving you new garments. You are a new creation in me. What a beautiful, vivid image of the gospel. Next slide, Tyler. Oh, my goodness. It just gets better. So not only are you now clean, but here's some blessings I have for you. If you will listen to me, and follow me, and obey me, then these are all the things you get to do for me in my kingdom, and glorify me. It's if, then. It's a uh, conditional relationship. Now, don't get confused, folks. Um, When you confess your sins, and you ask Jesus into your heart, that's unconditional. Everyone gets that, who asks, right? For all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whether you're a man, or a woman, black, white, Brown, uh, Hindu, uh, um, Dallas Cowboy fan, whatever. Everybody who who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. All right, so that's, that's unconditional. But here comes the conditional part. Listen, listen, now that you say, if you'll abide by me and if you follow me, these are the things I'm going to allow you to do for me. I heard one preacher explain it this way once, and I'm a bit of a sports freak, so this is why it stuck with me. Pastor John probably have all sorts of theoretical issues with this, but anyhow, um, so once you accept Jesus as your Savior, you're, you're in the salvation stadium, okay? But in this stadium, there's lots of seats where people watch, and then there's people down on the field who are playing, and I want to be one of the believers down on the field playing. Not so people clap for me, but I want to glorify God. I want to glorify God, and part of glorifying God is sharing him with others, and we'll get there in just a moment. If that isn't enough, can you show the next slide? Not only that, but now we really get to be messianic and in this vision, and God, through Zechariah, tells them, I am going to send you the, my servant, the branch, the branch. So, Jesus Christ is referred to as the branch four times in the Old Testament, and then each of those characteristics is reflected in the New Testament, okay? So in Jeremiah, the branch is referred to as a king. In the Gospel of Matthew, the branch is referred to as a king. Here in Zechariah 3, the branch is referred to as a servant. Imagine that, the Savior of the Lord reducing himself to a servant. In the Gospel of Mark, the branch is called a servant. The third one is later on in Zechariah, Zechariah 6, Jesus, the branch is referred to as a man. In the book of Luke, Jesus is given the title Son of Man. And then lastly, uh, what was it, Uh, Isaiah, the branch is referred to as belonging to God, and then that characteristic is reflected in the Gospel of John. 
as belonging to God. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. So on top of salvation and cleansing your sins, and if you do this, then you can do that, I'm going to send my Savior to show the world how to honor me. Next slide, please. And then finally, the last sentence. In that day, each of you will invite your neighbor to sit under your vine and fig tree, declares the Lord Almighty. Now, in that day means the day of the Lord. Now, the day of the Lord can have multiple meanings. The, those of you who here who are believers, the day you gave your life to Christ is a day of the Lord, okay? But this one refers to the ultimate day of the Lord, Jesus' second coming. And when that happens, folks, whew, eternity forever. For those of you who have been in medical conditions, no more meds, no more tubes, no more... I was going to say doctors. Doctors are good. I don't mean to do that. But no more meds, no more tubes, no more bliss, just total bliss. No more broken relationships. All right? And, and then it has that expression, sitting under the vine and fig tree. Now, I'll be honest. Before I started studying this, I, I, I really didn't know that term or knew what it meant. And what a naive guy I am. That term is used times throughout the Bible. It's in the book of Micah. It's in the gospel of John. Um, there are all sorts of devotionals written called sitting under the vine and fig tree. It's like, you know, it's your, it's your happy place times a thousand, okay? Um, there's, it's also uh, revolutionary war soldiers used it as a rallying cry. And even Pastor John knew two references to it. Now, the first one, of course, he knew from the Bible. But then the second one, oh, and I thought, where, where did you hear it? And I thought, here comes a Spurgeon quote, I'm sure. Um, oh, but no. He told me it was in the lyrics to a song from the Broadway musical Hamilton. This is your pastor, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, uh, that's a good musical, by the way. But it means that total, total peace awaits those who are obedient to him. So in quick summary, you have this vision where God is going to cleanse our sins. And then we have this peace that passes all understanding promised to us on the day of his coming. So if you're here today and that didn't make sense to you and you don't have that blessed assurance that Jesus is your Savior, please talk to me, talk to somebody who knows about that. All right, don't walk out of here not knowing what that means to know him as your personal Savior and Lord. For those of you who do know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, we need to get to work. We need to get to work. Here in our church, we are doing something called Who's Your One in 2021. We're challenging every member, not church leadership, every member to identify one person and pray for that person and to share the salvation of Jesus Christ with that person. Now, that's why our offertory verse today was the Great Commission. God doesn't ask us to do it. He commands us to do it. Now, you might be standing here thinking, okay, okay, yeah, 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 I got to get on it. So the first thing I need to do is memorize some verses. Well, true, you, you do need to memorize some verses because God's word cuts to the quick, much more so than your words. I think there's a verse about that. Um, but that's not the first thing you need to do. You might be sitting here thinking, well, I need to get involved in every ministry activity East Shore Baptist Church has, you know, the Election Day ministry and Feeding the Hunger and Bethesda Mission, so I, have, so I can have some chances to share. And yes, you should do that, but that's not the first thing you need to do. And those of you who are really astute are probably thinking, I need to be more intentional with my who's my one 
and I need to be more relational so I can build a better relationship that might lead to opportunities to share the gospel. And yes, you absolutely have to do that, but that's not the first thing you need to do. And I think you all know where I'm heading with this. The first thing, the most important thing, of course, you can do in your life is choose Christ. But the second most powerful tool at your disposal is prayer, is prayer. So Tyler, you can go to the next slide. Folks, if you have your outline that, that looks like this, and, and I'm not being legalistic and saying you have to fill this out, but if you want to, this might help cement it uh, for those of you who are visual learners. Uh, your one, two, three prayer of sharing the gospel. Now, we've talked about this a long time, and um, I need to hear things multiple times. I'm a little thick-headed, stiff-necked like the Israelites. And so we're going to do it one more time. So your first fill in there is give me an opportunity. Give me an opportunity. Now, of course, we're praying to the Lord, so we're not demanding, all right? We're, I didn't put the word please in there, but I think that's kind of implied. When, you, when you're praying to God, you're pleading and asking him, Lord, please give me an opportunity. And guess what? He absolutely will. Let's look at this verse, 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. If you pray to God and ask him to please give you an opportunity, he is going to answer that prayer. Now, that, maybe that sounds like prosperity preaching, but it's not. It's just God's word. This prayer, he is going to answer. I don't know about winning the lottery or the new Cadillac prayer, but this prayer, he's going to answer. He will give you opportunities, and sometimes he'll hand them to you on a silver platter. And your friend, relative, acquaintance, or neighbor will say, why are you so calm? What is it you have inside me? How can I know this Jesus? And other times it, it will be more challenging than that. But God will give you opportunities. Now, lest you think I have this down, I mess this up all the time, okay? So the other day I'm out walking through my neighborhood. I'm up by Reservoir Park by uh, John Harris High School. And I'm on a side street. And this lady pulls up, and she is really, really lost. And she tells me later she's 85, and she has no idea where she is in her car. And so I step over to the car, and I'm thinking, this is, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity. And she hands me, as her, as her uh, GPS device, she hands me a Garmin. Anybody remember those? That's like 1998, folks. That's 25-year, uh, you know, in the technology world. This is like the dark ages. So anyhow, her name's Ava, and I'm going to help her to get home, and then I'm going to tell her about the real home. And we're on a side street that's wide and not busy, and another car comes up behind us. Dark tinted windows. I couldn't really make out the driver, but, um, you know, I went like this. So they'd go around me, and I'm talking with Ava, and we're talking, and out of the corner of my eye, that car's still sitting there. So once again, I, I, I just went like this, so they would know to go around, and I'm still trying to share the gospel with Ava. <clears throat> that car is still there. And so I step out like this, and I go. <laughs> now, do you know what that body language says? Go around me, you idiot, so I can share Jesus with Ava. <laughs> I blew it. I blew it. Lord gave me another opportunity a couple days later. Why? Because I do this prayer. I was cutting my grass, and the neighbor who lives in the alley behind me, I hadn't seen in months. Um, and he used to be a former student of mine, elementary school student, grown man now. Uh, and then finally one day he's there. And so as I'm going around with the mower, I see him, 
hey, hey, there he is. And I waved to him. I'll just say his name is Joe. And I waved to Joe, and I'm pushing my mower, and I'm thinking, man, I've wanted to talk to him. I've been praying for him. I'm cutting my grass. This is what this is, okay? And, and I should talk to him, but I'm cutting my grass. And the Holy Spirit convicted me. So, you know, you let go of the handle, and the motor dies. And I go over, and I talk to Joe and find out that they had financial issues, and they left their house, and they've moved. Guess where they've moved? Out here by East Shore Baptist Church. Ding, 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 ding. I should invite them to East Shore Baptist Church. So I'm telling Joe, who has two small children and a wife, uh, about East Shore Baptist. And it's just not registering, you know. He kept confusing it with the, uh, the church up there with the old Lower Paxton Middle School. Everybody confuses us with that one. Um, but he wasn't registering. But we finished our conversation, and I went back to cutting the grass. And I thought, if only I had, you know, something that had the church's address on it, um, you know, that I could have given it to him. Oh, I have it. It's in my wallet, but that's in the house. And I really need to cut the grass. And I, ugh, turn off the mower, go in the grass, get grass on the carpet, go into my wallet, get the card, come back out. He's still there. And I get to give him the card and invite him. Now, whether he comes or not, that's between him and the Holy Spirit. But I'm just sharing with you that, that no one has this mastered. Right? But God will give you opportunities. Number two. Next slide. Number two. Please give me the wisdom to see the opportunity. The wisdom to see the opportunity. Again, he will answer this. If any of you lack wisdom, he should ask of God. James 1.5 For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So what does wisdom look like? Wisdom means you recognize opportunities. Sometimes you recognize triggers. If you've got a friend or a relative, acquaintance or neighbor, and they start lamenting to you what a terrible challenge they're going through, that's, that's, that's a trigger to you that you need to shut your mouth and listen, and then you need to ask questions. Like, how do you feel about that? And is this, how do you feel about that? And you ready? Can I, what? Pray for you. And can I pray for you right now? God will give you the wisdom to see those. And you'll forget about your dumb yard. And you, and you, and you recognize these wisdoms. Or, you know, you get to know your, um, your one's birthday and anything that happens in their life of significance, you're making contact with them. All right? I invited my one to watch this today. I don't know if it's happening or not. But you've got to take care and give you the wisdom to seek those opportunities. Number three. Number three. Dear God, please give me the courage to take the opportunity. The courage to take the opportunity. Let's look at this verse. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, in the context of this verse, who is the them that they're terrified of? The surrounding nations who are trying to destroy them. In the context of sharing the gospel, what is the them that you are afraid of and I am afraid of? Well, it might be awkward if I try to share. They might reject me, which is silly because they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Christ. Um, they, they, they might get put off. I might come across as preachy. I might not know enough. Excuses, folks. They're all excuses. Don't you think the author of salvation, as the song lyric said today, don't you think the creator of the universe can give you the right words to say when that time comes? 
And that's why we do a, a, somebody we know, right? If you cold knocked on the door, you might get challenged with some Bible head behind the door who's going to threaten you on something. But I'm asking you to do it for somebody that you know, not me. God is asking you to do it with someone that you know, someone you have a relationship with. And they're going to understand if you need a minute to think before you respond. This is the one, two, three prayer. I don't care if you memorize those three words, but something of this matter, please, every day, ask God for an opportunity to talk to your one and to others who don't know Christ. My helpers, would you go ahead and pass out those cards, please? Go ahead, guys. You can do it right now if you do that one. So you're going to get a card right now. You, you, um, this is just an evangelism tool that might help you. Again, the Southern Baptist Convention is doing the Who's Your One? Now, this actually came out in 2019. Tom's just late to the game, but it doesn't matter. Evangelism happens every year. And this is an evangelism tool. As you receive your card, you'll see written across the top of it in handwriting are three words. Do you recognize those three words? Yeah, the youth did that. The youth wrote those because they thought it was important, too, for you to be praying for opportunities, wisdom, and courage. And then it just gives some steps there. Number one, it says, remember your purpose. Remember your purpose. That is why on your outline, I included the relationship model of salvation. I'm not saying you have to use that. I just like it because the first thing it does is it reminds us of our purpose. We were created to have a relationship with God. That's why you and I were born, to communicate and talk and know him. So that's our purpose. Does everybody have a card now? We good? Number two, and, and those online, you can see it in the screen, plus it was sent to you in the midweek email. Number two, pray for opportunities. Hey, we covered that. Number three, engage people. Well, you know what it takes to engage people? Wisdom. Number four, build relationships. What does it take to build relationships? Courage, because you've got to put yourself out there, right? You've got to get out of your comfort box, and you've got to talk to people and get to know them. And then number five talks about remaining faithful, and that just means persevere, persevere. Do you know we have folks in here who have prayed for lost ones for days, weeks, months, years, decades? Okay, but are they still praying for them? Amen. Amen. Persevere, but also be intentional and look for every opportunity you can to share the love of Jesus and talk about God. Never underestimate, folks, the power of baby steps, small victories. All right. Don't go save the world. Just save one person. Actually, you're not saving. Point one person in your corner of the world towards at least do one and then you want to do another and another and another not because we're asking you but because god commands it in the middle of the page of this little card that you have there's an opportunity there to share your testimony your testimony is something that people can't argue with right it's your story of how you came to christ so people can debate me on verses and and uh panism and uh See, I can't even make up the words because I don't even know what they are. Monoism, theism, all, okay? If you want to do that, I'm done. You win, all right? But they can't debate your story and how Jesus Christ has changed you. 
So there's opportunity there. And then at the, boss, at the bottom, look at that. They put the whole gospel in one verse. In one verse, John 3.16. So here you had a representation of the gospel in a vision. Here you have the representation of the gospel in one verse. And so in closing, I want you to leave here today thinking about what a wonderful God we serve. He washes, he replaces our sins. He washes them away. He cleanses us. He provides us salvation. If we follow him, we get to do this. We don't have to do it. We get to do this. And when it's all said and done, we will sit under our vine and fig tree and have eternal bliss for being faithful servants. But until then, but until then, we need to share the gospel with the lost around us. Please don't hold on to that vision that you're going to have a bedside confession with your one. Don't be banking on that, folks. That's not real life. That's movies and TV, but that's not real life. We need to do it now while they have the cognitive ability to make decisions. And I know it's hard, and I know it's tough, but you need to do it now. And how does it all start? Pray. Dear God, opportunity, wisdom, and courage. Amen?